You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, a show where we help you live your best life by educating you on all aspects of your health as it pertains to you being a woman in a non-judgmental, not too sciencey way. And I'm your host, Michelle Broad, certified women's health, adult nurse practitioner, hormone specialist, daughter, wife, mama, and nana of two. All right, ladies. So welcome back to this week's episode. And just to give you a quick update, since I don't think we were here last week because I skipped last week because um, I was in the middle of trying to close on our house in Colorado. So just update information, we've closed on our house in Colorado. So we now own a home in Colorado. My daughter and her family just moved out there on Saturday. And my husband is currently driving back from Colorado after he took a truckload of all of our furniture out there. So we're getting most of our furnitures out there. And so now we just have to come back here, do a few more things on our house, put it up for sale, and then we can move to Colorado officially and become, do they call them Colorado Knights? I don't know, but we'll be official Colorado residents. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's been a long and kind of stressful road up to this point, I'm telling you. I never thought that buying a house would be um, so stressful, but it is, and especially when you're trying to buy a house and you live in one state and the house that you're trying to buy is in another state, it's really crazy. So, you know, I, I really, you know, was praying a lot and, um, God truly, you know, for me, God truly blessed our plans and found us a, a nice home from a nice couple with all the requirements that I was looking for. And even though we had a lot of bumps and stress along the way, we had a great loan officer, um, Armando, and he was fabulous. So, um, he made life a lot easier, even though it was very stressful. So now, you know, you know, you go through it and you, and you learn. So, Hey, all good experience. But today I really wanted to touch on this. We haven't talked about this topic on the podcast at all. And I actually haven't talked about it anywhere. Um, but I wanted to talk about chronic illness. Okay. And how to cope with chronic illness, because there's a vast majority of women and of business women who have chronic illnesses. And when I'm talking about chronic illnesses, I'm not just saying like, you know, things like people like have cancer, you know, the bad types of chronic illnesses. There is a lot of chronic illness. Okay. There's, you can have chronic illness with, you know, having um, Hashimoto's. You can have chronic illness being diabetic. You can have a chronic illness being hypertensive. You can have a chronic illness if you've got gut issues. Anything that's an ongoing, like long-term type of medical thing can actually turn into being chronic. So I wanted to kind of come on here because I have had a lot of new clients that are relatively new to having a chronic illness or They've had it and has now simply transformed into something more severely recent, severe recently, and they're having trouble coping with it. So today I wanted to come on here and I wanted to share some tips for not only them, but for you to help you navigate this new life that you may have and to help you deal with some of these changes that may be coming your way. Okay. And like I said, it could be, you just got newly diagnosed being diabetic you got newly di- diagnosed being, you know, hypertensive or having high cholesterol, where you're going to have to now be possibly on medication for the rest of your life. You're going to have to be following a new way of life. So those are the type of things that I'm talking about. Okay. Stress, anxiety can also be considered a chronic illness. Okay. So I want you to learn more about the realities, first of all, of your chronic condition. That's number one. So we're going to start with that under coping skills for chronic illnesses is to learn more about the realities of your chronic condition. 
So here's the thing, ladies, after you've been diagnosed or you are diagnosed with a chronic illness, I want you to learn as much about it as you possibly can. Okay. This is an important first step to coming to terms with it and learning how to cope with it. Because here's the thing. If you sit in denial for too long or don't know what to expect, it is going to take a lot longer to learn to have acceptance and to incorporate important coping skills that you are going to need in order to deal with this. Okay. So the first thing is learn as much as you can. And that is my number one motto, right? When I'm talking to you about learning how to be your number one self-care hero in your life, how do you do that? Okay. Everybody should be raising their hand saying they know the answer because they listen to this podcast or they follow me on Instagram or wherever it is. They should be raising their hand and you all should be shouting from your seats and sitting on the edge of your seat saying it's through becoming educated about my, my health. That's right. Whether you have a chronic illness or you don't, you need to understand your health. Okay. Or at least the basic fundamentals of your health, because that's how you're going to number one, you're going to save money. Okay. Cause you're not going to have to be running to the doctor or wherever medical provider or all this other kind of stuff. You know, every time you have a little ache or pain, you're going to be able to evaluate it a little bit and kind of see what's going on. And then if you, if it's not going away, like we talked about, then you can see your provider. It's going to help you make money when you understand about your body, because you're going to have much more energy. You're going to have less anxiety and stress because you're healthy and you're going to have more vitality because you understand your health and you know what you're doing right. So it's going to not only make you money, bottom line, in your life, it's going to save you money, bottom line, in your life. Two, it's going to take away stress and anxiety. That's, that's a high priority right there. Okay. And I teach you simple, simple steps, simple modules, simple things on how your body's operating and what you need to do. And we talk about those through the simple five foundations of your health. Okay. That's how we do it here. So if you don't know those, we've got lots of podcasts that talk about it. And we're going to be even diving deeper into those when we get into our self care session, um, subscription model that we're going to be, that we're going to be releasing soon too. Those are going to be very, 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 you know, easy, simple, one-off teachings on many different topics that you can purchase separately, or you can purchase in a packet, or you can purchase a year's worth and pick and choose what you want to listen to as far as wanting to learn about your health, because we break the barriers down when we become educated and we have knowledge about what's going on in our bodies. Okay. So this all relates back to learn as much as you can, whether you've got the chronic illness or not. So let's say you become newly diabetic. Don't sit there and just take your medical providers, you know, okay, here's, here's what you need to do. Go to your pharmacy, get this prescription, start taking your metformin three times a day and go get your eye exam, blah, blah, blah. You know, learn about it. Maybe ask them, can I be referred to a nutritionist? Or seek out a nutritionist on your own. Go online, look, learn about a little bit about diabetes. What is type 2 diabetes? How did I get type 2 diabetes? Are there things that I can be doing with my lifestyle on my own to help myself with this? Okay. And you can also come with, you know, you could talk to your medical provider about this too. But what I'm saying is you can go get a plethora of simple information, you know, out there, or you can come to us because that's what we do. We sort it all out for you and we put it in simple terms and packages that you can just buy and understand. So you don't have to do all the research on Google and go down a bunch of rabbit holes and get scared and all that because we're bringing it to you in simple, non-judgmental, not too sciencey terms. Okay. That's our, that's our motto over here. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so learning as much as you can. And like I said, this may, might look like asking your medical provider as many questions as you have, making sure that you feel satisfied. Okay. Here's the thing making sure that you feel satisfied that your questions are getting asked. 
I've got so many patients who come to me and say, you know, my last medical provider didn't listen to anything that I had to say. I didn't feel like I got my questions answered. Okay. So let me stop right there. That is a two-sided type of coin. Okay. It's not necessarily just the medical provider's problem or whoever you're seeing, your nurse practitioner, your physician assistant or whoever. Okay. And it's not necessarily 100% yours. You have to bring your questions, but then again, you have to also be responsible for making sure that you're getting the answers and getting complete answers that you want. And if you don't understand something that your medical provider is saying to you, you say, wait a minute, I'm not understanding. Can you kind of simplify that for me? Don't just say, yes, okay, yes, I'd love it. Yes, 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 I understand. Yes. And then walk out of that office and be as totally confused as when you walked in. That is not what I mean about becoming your number one self-care hero. Okay. Write down your questions, making, make sure that you're getting your questions answered to your specificity that you're walking away and you're feeling like you've been heard and you understand what's going on. Okay. It may be talking to specialists about your diagnosis. Again, it may be doing, like I just said, doing research on your own, talking to people that you know who have the same chronic condition. They may be able to pay, give you some good insight. Okay. It is also a good time to join maybe a support group with others who have the similar or chronic illness because sometimes having support can be one of your biggest allies. Okay. And that's what we hope to be over here at Well Woman Network. We hope to be a big, huge support and an ally for you. Okay. So here's the next thing. I want you to look at managing your physical symptoms. Don't try to cure them. Since you have a chronic condition, it means there's not a cure. Okay. And your life is spent managing it. Most of these things means you're managing it. Like for instance, if you have, if you become diabetic, even though you get your numbers down, let's say to six point, let's say uh, less than it's five point, it's 5.7 to 6.4 in the hemoglobin A1C for you to be diabetic. So let's say your number, you get your number down to be 5.6. Even though your number now is in the terms of not being diabetic, you are still always going to be classified as a diabetic. So once you're a diabetic, you're always a diabetic. You just may not, you may be controlling it through diet and exercise, which is fabulous but you're always going to have that term. Okay. See, and where the chronicness of that condition comes in is that you're going to always be working on your diet, your exercise, and your lifestyle modifications to keep it at that number. Okay. Are we clear about that? So it's not like you're going to get rid of it. You can even have some cancers, right? And you can be in remission for a lot of different things, but your body has to still keep doing those things that it needs to do to keep that condition at bay. Okay. So it's still going to be chronic. You just have to learn how to manage it because a lot of these things you're not going to get rid of. Like a lot of people who have chronic pain, chronic back pain, chronic this, you're never really going to get totally rid of it unless, you know, you can, but a lot of times people who have chronic pain always will have chronic pain and they just have to learn how to manage that chronic pain because there is no cure to get rid of some of these things that we have. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, there's still, we still have questions about a lot of things. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> managing it and not trying to prevent absolutely helps you, okay? To cope with your illness, change your mindset from trying to cure your physical ailments to just managing them and staying as comfortable as possible or learning as much as you can and keeping that as under, as under control as possible. So if you've got diabetes, keep it under control. You've got high blood pressure, work hard to keep your blood pressure under control. Okay. Whether it's not just taking medication, but it's doing those lifestyle things. If you have, let's say Crohn's disease or, or any kind of, you know, gut issues, <clears throat> yes, you might have to take medication, but do all the other lifestyle type of things that you need to do to help the medication do its job and keep that symptom 
you know, under control. Okay. So a lot of having a chronic illness is learning how to adapt to it. Ladies starting new routines, managing your pain and other symptoms, scheduling your provider appointments, and just basically adjustifying your, adjusting your lifestyle to accommodate any physical changes that you may have to experience as you're going through these different things. Okay. Next, look for signs of emotional or mental health changes. Okay. Cause here's the thing, your emotional and your mental health is going to change quite a bit after you are diagnosed with a chronic illness. It just is. This differs for everyone, depending on what you have, your pain tolerance, how much it affects your daily life and your mental health prior to being diagnosed. Okay. So again, this is a very individual thing and it can differ for everyone, but it is important ladies to always keep an eye on signs of your mental health declining. Okay. So that you can get ahead of it before you get the right amount and get the right amount of support before it really starts to get worse. Because with a lot of chronic illnesses comes depression, comes anxiety, you know, comes frustration, all those things come along with that. I see it every day in my practice. I had a lady this morning who was very frustrated. She's got really, really bad neuropathy in both of her feet and she's seeing a neurologist. She saw a podiatrist. He really didn't do anything for her. Now she saw a neurologist. She's having a hard time getting back into his office. The treatment that they're talking about is, you know, they don't know if it's going to work or not, you know? So she was just voicing to me a lot of her frustrations and she's in pain and she just wants to get out of pain. She wants to live her life. And I can totally understand living your life. I don't live with pain every day. So I, that part I can't relate with, but I can relate with her frustration. Okay. But talking about it and her coming and talking to me about it and us trying to do what we can do on this end, you know, helps put her mind a little bit at ease and it can help her with some of that frustration. Okay. Last is I want you to have a contingency plan. We're going to talk about a lot of different things with chronic illness, but these are some of the coping things that I wanted to start with. So you should always have a contingency plan for your chronic illness. This means that you have options for just about everything that might come up, such as bad days, when you have a lot of pain or exhaustion, when you need to turn down friends or cancel plans, when you can't get to your work or you can't get your work done. This might be a plan for what to do if you can't get your kids to school or are unable to make it to a doctor's appointment without assistance or having to reschedule your work to be done on a different day. Now, a lot of companies have a lot of things called now FMLA, okay? And that's, you can have like, I'll like leave as you need to, depending on what your condition is. So you can say, you know, my condition is going to flare up maybe X times a month. And when that does, I'm just not going to be able to come into work. I've done that a lot for a lot, couple of my, a lot of my patients who have some chronic illnesses going on. So maybe that's something that you need to talk to your employer about, or just, you know, let your family and friends know, or let the school that your kids go to know that, Hey, some days my kids may not be here because, you know, I don't, I'm a, I'm a single parent. And I've got a chronic illness and some days I just don't feel good enough. I can't get them here. Or maybe you have a backup plan with your neighbor that on those bad days, your neighbor takes your kid to school. So it's having a contingency plan, you know, from the get go and kind of getting those things set into place that will relieve a lot of stress along the way when you have chronic conditions, especially if you have more major of chronic conditions and you're going to be having to go to a lot more doctor's appointments and stuff like that. So next I want to dive into a couple other topics. Okay. So the other topics that we're going to dive into is tips on how to stay productive. All right. When you've got a chronic illness, then we're going to go into how to get adequate exercise or to get exercise at all. If you're always in pain. Okay. So we're going to talk about that too. And then we're going to talk about how to handle fatigue from a chronic illness. What do you do? 
Then we're going to go look at how to improve your sleep when you're in pain, because that's a big issue for a lot of people who have pain. And we're talking about pain here. And then the next thing is we're going to talk about how to have self-care when you have chronic conditions or you have chronic pain, because pain can even come from depression. Okay. Like there's that, you know, Cymbalta is one of those medications that was touted that for, you know, the commercial you speak, depression hurts. So you can have pain with any kind of thing, with any kind of chronic thing. You can have pain with irritable bowel syndrome. You can have pain with Crohn's disease. You can have pain with diabetic neuropathy. So it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to have like chronic back pain, but a lot of it is like kind of is osteoarthritic chronic type of pains, like chronic back pain. Maybe you were in a motorcycle accident or car accident and you've had back injuries or things like that. Or maybe you're dealing with cancer. Those also bring chronic pain. There's, so there's pain is associated with a lot of chronic conditions. So we're going to be talking about all that. So let's get back up here and talk about um, how to stay productive when you have a chronic illness. So if you remember your life before you had a chronic illness, okay, so I want you to think about that. You probably remember how productive you could be or not, maybe, you know, hey, whatever, depending on your mood or what, however your day is. But here's the thing. We often take for granted what we can do and how much control we have. But with a chronic illness, suddenly everything changes and you don't feel like you have as much control for what you used to be able to do or to accomplish. You can still be productive with a chronic condition. You just might need to go about it in a little different manner. Okay. So for those of us who don't have chronic pain, we take for granted a lot of things that we can do. Oh, take for granted. We write every day. We use our hands every day. We can do squats. We up and down. We bend. We don't have any arthritis. We take for granted all that. But get a knee, get a knee injury. And then all of a sudden, when you can't use that knee, you're like, Oh my gosh, I really, now I understand. Or when you can't use your hand to write, or you can't do something anymore because something happened and it's gone or it's temporarily unavailable. It's frustrating because you used to be able to do all these things and now you can't. Okay. So just think that you can still do all these things. You just might have to do them differently. Okay. And you might have to find different ways around these things or how to help yourself. So number one, in order to how to stay productive is I want you to work around your good and bad days. Okay. Maybe this even happens if you've got, you know, chronic period pain, you know, menstrual pain, you know, or you've got, you know, PMS. That's a, that's a kind of a every, you know, every month it comes may come and go, but it's um, every month. So the first thing to do, if you have a chronic illness that flares up or gets triggered randomly, okay. Like we just said, PMS or those period pains, is to take advantage of your good days, okay? Or even if you have menopause, sometimes you have bad days with there too. When you have a day where you don't feel as bad, you slept well, or your pain level is low, that is when you should try to be more productive and get more done. You know that a bad day might be around the corner and your productivity will be lower. So this really helps to balance it out. Don't do so much that you experience burnout, but do work a little more during your good moments and when you're experiencing good days and not having those extreme flare-ups. Okay. So just kind of like think about, Oh, today I woke up and I feel really good. Do maybe a little bit more, but don't push yourself to where you're overextending yourself. And then tomorrow you're going to have an even horrible or even worse bad day. Number two, adapt your environment. So I want you to make sure that your environment is set up, not just to get work done, but to accommodate any disability or physical issues you have related to your illness. If you struggle with getting up and down from your chair when you're working, see if you can either replace it with a different chair, more suitable to your physical limitations, or get a mobility aid that you can use to lean lean on for support and to get up from the chair. 
work around any limitations you have so that your workspace is better situated for you. Okay. So if you're at a job or if you work from home, situate your home office or your cubicle at your job so that it's much more comfortable for you. Talk to your boss. Maybe you need to say, I need a stand-up desk. Maybe I need to, I need a different chair. Maybe I need a little help in this way. If you don't express your concerns and you don't talk to people about it, you may end up suffering in silence because nobody is going to know. Okay. So don't be afraid, adapt your environment at home and at your job to help you better cope with any physical limitations that you may have. Okay. Here's another one. Set boundaries or priorities based on a thing called a spoon theory. The spoon theory is one that was developed by Christine. Now I know I'm going to botch her name. It's Ms. Durandio. And she says, this is where she assigns each spoon to a unit of energy. So as someone with a chronic illness, you only have a certain number of spoons, energy per day. But you know what? I have to argue. I think everybody has only so many spoons per day. But someone without this ailment would have unlimited spoons. So using this theory, her theory, consider how much needs to get done in a day and what you have the energy for. Work on the highest priority tasks first. That way you aren't using spoons on less important tasks that can be put off for another day. Now I have to, like, I have to honestly say, I think everybody should be doing the spoon theory, not just people who have chronic illness. I think, you know, you have, we, we all only have so much energy each and every day, and we need that energy to be put towards our most productive things. So I think everybody can use the spoon theory. So that's my suggestion. Not just if you have a chronic illness, use the spoon theory every day, conserve your energy, keep a hold of it, do things that are going to help you have more energy. Okay. And that's my advice for that. Okay. So now I want to go in transition into the topic of how to get exercise when you're always in pain. Okay. And this is where I'm talking to people who have pain. And like I said, pain can come in the form of many different things. Okay. So it's hard enough ladies to deal with a chronic illness that causes you pain on a regular basis, let alone trying to beat the fatigue and exercise. Okay. And you can have fatigue, like I said, from a lot of different things, but it is still important that you keep moving your body for your physical and emotional help. Okay. This is one of those five foundations. Okay. It can help boost your energy. It can help you sleep better. And it might even lessen some of your pain, depending on where it stems from. So here are some tips for exercising. If you are a chronic pain sufferer, or if you just have pain in general, a lot of the time. Okay. Take advantage again of your good days. You might not be able to exercise ladies every day, but you can take advantage of the days with no flare-ups and when you have a little more energy than normal. This often becomes a habit for people with chronic illness as they know when they feel good, they should be taking more advantage of it. So if you have a day where you wake up with far less pain than normal and a bit more energy, maybe you go for a morning walk or you just do some easy yoga stretching. You fit it in early in the day. So even if you're tired later, you've already got it out of the way. Okay. Next, start slow and don't keep up with others. There's no reasons that you must go at someone else's pace or intensity just to get in a good workout. Unless you have a specific fitness goal, feel free to go at whatever pace you feel comfortable with, ladies. Choose workout partners that are at your current speed or pace, or at least who don't mind slowing down a little bit. All right? So work with somebody who's going through the same things maybe or who's on your same level. Okay? Don't go work out with somebody who can do a massive workout and you can't and you're trying to keep up. 
it's never going to work. You're going to get frustrated and they're going to get frustrated. So make sure that your workout partner is somebody well suited at the same level as you. Okay. So slow down and take it easy. Combine exercise with other activities. And we've talked about this with other things too. So this is nothing new. An easy way to fit exercise into your routine is to combine it with other activities. For example, if your medical provider wants you to try to get outside more, you can go on a short walk every day to get outside in nature and get in a little bit of exercise at the same time. This is great even on days when you don't have a lot of energy or your pain is a little worse, since you probably most likely will take your dog out for a walk anyways. Okay, if you've got a pet and a lot of people who have chronic pain or illness have pets because pets are therapy. So you're going to have to walk your dog anyways. So you can get out and combine walking the dog, which is taking a short walk to get out. And that counts. Okay. So combine exercise with other things that you're already doing. Next, very important, exercise with a professional. Depending on the chronic illness you have, it might be a good idea to hire a physical therapist or personal trainer to exercise with. Remember to get one who specializes in people with chronic pain so that they don't try to push you in a way your body doesn't react well. Okay. And I'll give you an example of this about, you I don't know if I, well, if you've been listening to this podcast any length of time before COVID, I had hired a personal trainer and I went, I committed that I was going to go to the gym every single day, five days out of seven. And I did, I went with my friend Celeste, we hired personal trainers and everything. I'm not going to say what gym I went to, whatever, but I have a knee, I have knee issues and I've had knee issues since I was young and they hurt. They're like bone on bone and my, and some days they're worse than others but I can't do squats. And literally every time that I would go in with this trainer, he would, he would set up workouts where I had to do tons of squats, squat down, squat up, hop up onto a bench, hop down on the bench. And every time I would tell him, I have knee pain, knee problems and pain. I can't, I can't do that. And every time he would have that, and I'd have to keep reminding him time and time again. And after a while I got really frustrated. It's like, okay, I've already told you that I have knee issues yet. Every time I'm coming in here, you're having me do these workouts that are just causing me to have pain. And because I'm an overachiever and I didn't want to seem weak or anything, I would go ahead and do these things even if I was in pain, which I shouldn't have done because I'm telling you not to do that, but I did it. So don't do what I did. And so that's what I'm saying. Make sure that you hire a professional who understands your condition and is not going to push you to do things that your body cannot do. Okay. And then you end up doing it because you don't want to look, you know, foolish in the eyes of your personal trainer or anybody else around. Okay. So that's my advice. Now I want to move into how to handle fatigue when you have a chronic illness, because this comes up a lot. So among other things that you can experience with chronic illnesses, you probably are going to have a lot of fatigue. It can be a general feeling of exhaustion, regardless of what you do, or it can get worse on days when you have flare-ups. Okay. Regardless of the severity or causes these tips, I want you to try because you can have flare ups when when you have lupus. Some days you're going to have a good day if you have lupus and some days you're going to have flare ups. Some days when you have rheumatoid arthritis, you have better days than other days and you have flare ups. So here's some things you can do again, just piggybacking off of the topic that we just talked about, about exercise. I want you to try to get regular exercise because ladies, this may seem counterintuitive because it's hard to get up and walk around the house with fatigue let alone do a workout, but it can help if you get exercise on a regular basis, not just those moments when you feel exhausted. The more you move your body, even for just a few minutes in a very gentle way, the less fatigue you're going to experience. Plus it really helps to get a lot of sleeping 
it really helps to get a lot of sleeping, which then can help you improve your fatigue and exhaustion the next day. But exercise actually can give you more energy. It just does. So trust me, try to get in a little exercise, even if you hurt. Moving your body when you hurt or when, you're, when you have chronic things, like even arthritis, movement, even if it's gentle movement, even if it's yoga, whatever, moving your body is better than just sitting in a chair all day and never moving your body and becoming stiff and rigid. That is even worse. Okay. Again, next, since we just talked about getting enough sleep, make sleep a priority. Sleep is extremely important when you have a chronic illness, especially if you experience a lot of fatigue. Much of this fatigue can be from not getting enough sleep, which causes your body to have less energy to get through even basic tasks during the day. Okay. You absolutely need good sleep. This isn't always easy when you have a chronic illness, especially one that causes pain. I get it. Okay. But do what you can to at least get six to seven hours of good sleep. And maybe you might need a sleep aid. Maybe you might need a little CBD. Maybe you need a heating pad, you know, or you need to talk to your medical provider about the issues of sleep that you can't sleep. But when you sleep is when your body heals. That's when your body does all of its rejuvenation and it repairs is when you sleep. And if you're not sleeping, then you're missing out on all that stuff, which is going to cause you to even be more fatigued, not necessarily because of the chronic illness, but because of the lack of sleep which then makes your chronic illness seem even worse. Okay. So it's kind of like the double-edged sword type of thing. Okay. Next is don't overdo it or get burnt out. Remember ladies, not trying to do everything like you normally would do on days when you have fatigue or a pain or a flare up. Okay. You're only going to make it worse instead of better when you push yourself, save the productive days for when you don't have a flare up and when your exhaustion isn't quite as bad. Then rest on days when you have, and you do experience more fatigue. That way you don't have the guilt of not getting enough done on days when you're tired and you have earned the extra rest. Okay. So some of us just, you push yourself too much on your bad days or all the time. And then you just make your, like I said earlier, you make your bad days even worse. Okay. Next, this is so important. Be honest when you need help. If you have a day where you absolutely cannot get your normal tasks done, ask for help whether that is picking up your kids from school or having someone help you with dinner, you should never be afraid to ask your friends or loved ones or to lean on anybody to help you or to give you some assistance. The people closest to you probably already know about your chronic illness and will be more than happy to pick up the slack when you need the help. This is why you should have a good support system for dealing with any serious conditions. Okay. All right. Now, since we talked about sleep just a little while ago, I want to give you some tips on how to improve your sleep. Because chronic pain often strips you of your energy and it keeps you from doing what you want to do during the day, but it doesn't take a rest, but it doesn't, but it doesn't take, you know, you to, how do I want to say it? Chronic pain doesn't always allow you to rest at night the way you need to, especially if people, if they have back pain or pain in their joints, it often keeps you from being able to sleep, whether from being physically uncomfortable to the stress of just keeping up with up at night all the time. Okay. So here's some tips for improving your sleep. Number one, distractions that make you feel more relaxed. Instead of going to sleep, listening to Netflix on the television, try listening or doing something that is both relaxing and distracting from your pain. It might seem like watching TV at night in bed is helping because it keeps you from your mind from pain, but this is actually making it harder to fall asleep. Why? Because we've talked about this before. The light from the screen can keep you stimulated. And if it is still on when you fall asleep, certain sounds will keep making you awake. So instead, find activities that are just as distracting, but are quiet and help you feel more relaxed. This might be lying in bed and reading a book, listening to some soothing music, 
or white noise that is, or setting a timer or doing some guided meditation. We've talked about all these things. These are things that you should be doing whether you have a chronic illness or not, winding down at the end of the day because sleep is very, very important. Next, don't force sleep when you aren't comfortable. If you aren't comfortable in your bed because of your pain, don't try to force yourself to go to sleep. If you end up lying down and constantly moving around because of your pain, you're only going to be get more stressed, which further keeps you from being able to fall asleep. So do your best to manage the pain and do something else relaxing until you feel comfortable enough to sleep. Okay. Next, wait to go to bed until you're exhausted. This is true for anybody, just not, not just for people with a chronic illness or pain at night. You should not go to bed until you are exhausted and will likely fall asleep quickly. If you're, if you're associated with, okay, if you associate your bed with a frustrating place that never sleep in because you are constantly doing other things and getting stressed out, it makes it harder for your body to associate your bed with rest. Okay. So that's why, you know, scientists tell you, you should not have TV in your room. You should not have distractions in your room. You should have really low light in your room because your room should really be set up as a place for you to just go and fall asleep or to do other things. Okay. That you do, you know what I mean? You know, you get what I'm saying, huh? <laughs> Cheeky here over here, right? But that's why they say take away TV and just have lights low and get your body ready. But if you're not tired, don't force yourself to go to bed because then you're just going to become more frustrated as you toss and turn and you can't fall asleep. So maybe you get up and you read a book. Maybe you do some journaling. Maybe you listen to some music and you try to get yourself into the tiredness stage and then you go into your bedroom and sleep. Okay. Again, adjust your environment and routine. Remember to adjust the environment in your bedroom to adapt to good sleep, which we just talked about, and that's for everybody. This makes a much bigger impact on the quality of sleep than you might think, even when you're dealing with chronic pain. Set up your bedroom to be as relaxing as possible by making it dark and having a comfortable temperature. Lifestyle changes like not having caffeine and having a nighttime routine leading up to sleep can also help. We've talked about how to have a nighttime routine, you know, bookmarking your day, morning routine, evening routine, lots of times. Go back and look in the different episodes of the podcast. So you always want to have a time to take your medication to be closer to bedtime in order to not have some pain. So if you take pain medications or things to help you not have pain, you want to take them closer to bedtime so that it helps to relax you so that you can go to sleep and not have so much pain. All right. Now, number six is probably my favorite one because you know, oh, there's another there's number seven, but number six is by my five because it talks about self-care and how do we have self-care when we have a chronic illness or we have chronic pain? Because you know, my job is to help you become your number one self-care hero. So self-care, as you know, comes in many forms, ladies, but the most important thing to remember is that, it's in, that it is intentional and it's proactive. It is not something you already have to do, like taking a shower or making a meal. Self-care is a choice that you have to make in order to take care of yourself or do something enjoyable. With a chronic illness or chronic pain, it is even more important for you to practice self-care, okay? So with chronic pain, you often forget to take care of yourself or with a chronic illness as well. Because when you have chronic pain or illness, you often spend all your time, energy, and money on your pain management or managing your illness, and you rarely have much time left for self-care. This makes it even more vital that you make self-care a priority in your life. It can feel like your entire life is just managing your chronic illness and keeping pain down, but there are always little ways that you can fit in some sort of self-care. It helps tremendously with stress, and that in turn can help you with your illness. So here's the thing. How do you practice self-care on good days? The first type of self-care activity can be done on your good days. The days where you don't have as much pain, you aren't experiencing a flare-up, and when you have a bit more energy than normal. 
This is when you want to take advantage and fit in a little extra self-care. Maybe you make yourself a good meal or bake those cookies that you've been trying, that you've been craving. Maybe you make plans to spend some time with friends or enjoy a nice walk with your dog or your family. Maybe you even go get a massage. These things you can do every day. These are things that you can't do every day. So it's always a good idea to indulge when you're able to, okay? So, and then even on your good days, get in some of that exercise, get in some nutrition, okay? Get outside and with some friends, be sociable, okay? Go do fun things that you like. How do you practice self-care on bad days? Then there are the bad days when you have a lot of pain and exhaustion. So the self-care activity should reflect that. This is, of course, will depend on how bad of a flare-up you're experiencing and how much energy you have. Self-care on this type of day might just look like taking or having some extra rest. Even if you think you could do a little bit more, don't. Do this for yourself and allow yourself to rest without guilt. There might be some days when you're in a lot of pain and taking a soothing aromatherapy bath would both help with your pain and keep you mind on other things in the aromatherapy, but it's also great for self-care. You can also try a distraction activity that is enjoyable and, and, has, and makes rest for yourself. As you know, I always think that you should be practicing self-care every day. So lastly, some self-care activities that you should be doing every day. These aren't necessarily different from your normal, normal activities, ladies, but are important to focus on no matter how you're feeling. Just making sure that you get enough nutrition, good nutrition, you're eating three meals a day, you're moving your body or just rubbing your body down, or you're doing something for yourself, can be some of the best self-care that you have when you have a chronic illness because you get down a lot. Trust me, when you've got some chronic things going on, you get down a lot. And doing some good things for yourself, doing those five fundamental things, eating better, trying to find things that help you de-stress, getting more hydration and drinking more water, okay, getting better sleep, and then practicing some form of personal spirituality or connectivity with others. Those are, those are basic things that you need to be doing every day for self-care. And you can do them whether you have a chronic illness or not, okay? So I want to wrap up the last, the last topic I want to talk to you about today is talking to you about some strategy for explaining your chronic illness to others because I get this a lot. A lot of my patients come in and say, people don't understand. So here's the thing. When you experience your chronic illness and pain every single day, you are familiar with how it feels and how it affects your life. But your friends and your family, they can't see it as most chronic illnesses are invisible. So this makes it important to find the right way to communicate what it is, what you deal with, and why you might not have, why you might have to cancel plans, or you might have to adjust your lifestyle around it. So here are some things that I want you to think about, okay? Because we may just think that everybody should understand our chronic illness and just, oh, go with it. But a lot of people don't because they can't see it. It's invisible. So I want you to do this. Explain that it's an invisible illness. Be very straightforward and honest with the fact that you acknowledge your illness is probably an invisible one that you understand why other people can't see it or perhaps relate to it or even understand the magnitude of pain and fatigue that you often experience. By acknowledging that it is invisible, people start to understand that just because they can't see it doesn't mean your pain or your symptoms don't exist. It might take a few times, but the people closest to you will begin to understand and be able to support you a little bit better. Okay? Describe your flare-ups and your symptoms. When explaining to someone your pain or your chronic illness, go into detail about your symptoms, how bad the pain gets, 
what the flare-ups are, what they're like. Don't shy away on how bad it actually is and how it affects you on a daily basis. You can try, exp- you can try comparing it to something you know that they've gone through or simply explain what that means to you. Someone might understand what a headache is like, but if you've suffered from cluster headaches or severe migraines, try to help them understand how much worse it is by going into what you have to do when you get that type of a migraine. That it's not just a normal migraine. This is very different. That can take just some, you know, and you'd explain to them. It's not about, oh, I can just take some ibuprofen and an hour I feel better. This can last for a couple days. I have to go into a room. I have to shut off all the lights. I have to have nobody around. I'm having nausea. I have vomiting. You know, I have, light affects me. You know, explain to people so that they get a visual of what you're going through. It helps. Use a pain scale. Some people understand a little better when you use a pain scale. Many people have acute pain and understand the different levels of pain. So this can be a great way to relate it to somebody so that they can understand. Maybe you have a friend who's recovering after surgery and they have an eight or t- you, at the, you know, you get asked this when you go to your doctor's office all the time. Even if you have pain in your knee, they always ask you, okay, well, what's your pain scale from one to 10? So you tell people if your pain is 10, you say, I feel 10, nine days out of, you know, six days out of, out of seven. People get that. They understand that. So sometimes you have to tell people what your pain scale is and what you're feeling. The last thing that you can do is you can try to relate it to something that they've experienced. So your best friend, your mom, they may have had endometriosis before, but you can bet they haven't had mistral. So maybe somebody has, here's an example. Sorry, I'm messing this up here. I write all my examples and I'm not even reading myself here. I'm a little bit tired today. So for instance, your mom or your friends, they may understand and have menstrual cramps, but let's say you have endometriosis. Now endometriosis is like far worse for most people than just regular menstrual cramps. So you might have to explain to them that endometriosis pain is like, it is like having a menstrual cramp when you get it. That is like double, triple, whatever you feel. Try to relate it to something that they can understand. So if they have, you know, if let's say your friend, she injured her leg last year, her foot, and it got better. And you said, remember, remember Joni, when you injured your foot and you had the pain and it was like a 10 for like two weeks and then it swelled up and it bruised and it went away. Well, my neuropathy kind of feels like that in my feet every day. It's like a 10. It's like being like walking over hot coals. Can you, can you kind of picture that? Then people get a better understanding of what you're going through. So it's just about explaining. It's about talking about it to them and it helps you because then people get to understand what you're going through and you don't feel as alone and you don't feel as much frustration over it. So I hope that this episode helped you, even if you don't have like something debilitating chronic illness, but that you understand and you learned a little bit more about chronic illness, some types of chronic illness and some things that you can do. So let me just recap what we talked about today. We talked about coping skills for chronic illness. Then we talked about how to stay productive when you have a chronic illness. Then we moved into how to get exercise when you have pain or you have chronic illness. Then we looked at how to handle fatigue when you have a chronic illness. Then we looked into how to improve sleep when you have a chronic illness or you happen to be in pain. Then we focused on how to practice self-care when you have chronic pain. And we just ended on how to explain chronic illness to others. So it's you know, pretty long episode on chronic pain, but I wanted to bring this because I see a lot of chronic pain people with vast majority of different illnesses. 
And I think it's really important that we start to really have compassion and understanding for those around us who have a chronic illness, and if we don't. But also, I really think it's important when you have a chronic illness, how you shape your mind, a mindset. And some of these tips today were really, a lot of them were around how you deal with it, mindset issues, how to adapt, how to look at it, how to say, I'm okay, and not become your illness. Because what happens with a lot of people with chronic illness, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, hormone, any kind of chronic issues, I find that a large majority of people start to become their illness. Okay. They start to see themselves as the illness. They start to identify as the illness. And that's not how I want you to see it. You are still you. You're still hypothetically, let's say you're Pam. You're Pam who happens to have, you know, Crohn's disease. You're not Crohn's disease. Because a lot of people with chronic illness, they go inward. They suck into and become their illness. And I don't want you to do that. You are not your illness. You are a person separate. Yes, you may have a chronic illness, but they're two separate things. And I want you to understand that because when you are separate from that and you would, and you say, I'm who I am, but I have this, you can manage it so much better. You will find, you'll fend off depression and anxiety a lot. You'll have a better attitude about it because it's not an illness. It, you have it, but you're not letting that illness stop you or define your life. You still are finding ways to be you. It may not be the exact you, how you thought it was going to be before you became ill, but you're still there. So when we become our illness, we lose ourself. We lose who we are as a person and we start acting like that illness. We start acting like we can't do anything. That not only affects our mental health, but it affects the mental health and how other people treat us around us. So remember, you are not your illness. You're still who you are. You may happen to have a chronic illness but you have to have a good mindset around that and you have to be healthy whether you've got a chronic illness or not. And it's so much more important for you ladies, especially if you're a career woman or you're a business woman and you're having it and you have a family too, you need to put wellness in your life. You need to have those self-care measures. You, he- you have to take care of yourself. You have to practice those five fundamental things every single day to keep your body as healthy as possible. Okay. And you want to do that anyways, because if you should happen to come down with something, you want to be as healthy as possible going into that. So remember, de-stress, exercise, eat better, sleep better, and practice your spirituality and get out there and interact with other people. All right. So I hope you got something out of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you could do me a favor, like I always ask, if you could go leave us a rating review over on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it because that's how other people find the podcast is by those ratings and review. And um, when you leave here, I know it's not easy, but when you get done here, please go do that. And then come on over on Instagram. I'd love to meet you over on Instagram. So if you listen to this podcast and you're over on Instagram, we're at Well Woman Network. I would love for you just to shoot me a DM to say, hey, Michelle, I listened to the podcast. You don't have to, we don't have to have a long conversation. Just let me know that you're out there. Say, hey, I listened to it. Or, you know, join our VIP newsletter. It's in our show notes so that I can communicate with you every week. All right. Be on the lookout for our self-care, our self-care sessions that are going to be coming out very shortly. We're getting the final touches on that. We've been working really hard on that. I think you're going to like it, you know, and just communicate with us. Let me know how you're doing. You know, um, when you get our VIP newsletter every other week, 
you know, hit the reply button. Let me know what's going on in your life. If there's anything that you'd like us to talk about, any kind of topics, we're here for you. We love to communicate with you. We love to bring you information regarding your health as pertains to you being a woman. So you know what I always say? May God richly bless your life. And we'll talk to you next week. And bye for now.